Hey, how's it going, everyone? This is the, our World of Lifting podcast, episode 47. We are 47 in, everyone. Can't wait until 50. But our special guest today is Jake Wojciechowski. He's a natural bodybuilder. How are you doing today, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on here. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I know a lot of people are excited to hear what you got to say. Um, it's good news. I'm ready to ready to share some thoughts, ready to have some conversations. Yeah, if you guys didn't know, I mean... One of the guys that work with me, Damien Janak, you do his nutrition for him. Obviously, he's an insane power lifter. But mm-hmm. uh, I think I want to, uh, we all want to know, how did you get in, get started into weight training, you know, bodybuilding? Um, well, a lot of times, you know, a lot of us, we get into weight training for the wrong reasons. And I'm no exception to that. I wanted, I was bullied because I was overweight as a child. And, uh, I was taunted, you know, it wasn't anything terrible, but it, you know, just minor taunts and then, you know, it gets to you. And, you know, as we develop psychologically, we, we, we develop a greater self-perception of ourselves, and our self is self-image becomes a thing. We care about what we look like. It's something we all go through boys, girls, we don't. Um, and I started noticing I was, I was a fat kid and it sucked. So, um, I was about 13. I made efforts to eat healthy diet i would uh, make an effort to run on my mother's treadmill in our basement at the time for 20 minutes a day and this ended up after this ended up working after several months i got really skinny and that was the goal and i was happy and so you know life went on i kind of got out of that but i remained skinny so i was happy until i got to high school and then i got made fun of for being skinny and uh what the okay yeah. And I remember in our conditioning class, there was girls benching more than me and, you know, I was a little weakling. So I got bullied and I remember my dad got a membership because we always, you know, we always kind of worked out. My dad was always interested in fitness and such, but like never super serious about it. So he got a gym membership at a, a plant fitness was brand new at the time in our city, Bay city, Michigan. And, you know, I was kind of reluctant to go with him, but he encouraged me to go. So I went along and, you know, we did something, we just started doing chest one day, take a rest day and back rest day, back day, then a rest day and alternate, you know, in hindsight, that's not how you do it, but you know, it was, it was a good structure. So for the first time I ever had any kind of consistency or structure in my weight training program. And as things progressed, I got more and more interested in it as I started seeing very subtle changes from the suboptimal program, which I was running, but I got more and more interested because I wanted more gains as we all do. So I did more research, did a lot of trial and error, was constantly on the old bodybuilding.com forums looking for just the craziest exercises, just to try to elicit the greatest muscular hypertrophy I could just by hitting that muscle from all different angles. So you know, this goes on for a while and I've noticed some changes, you know, the newbie gains, but nothing crazy. Um, I get into it more, switch to a more serious gym. Uh, people start noticing and they, I'm about 18 at this time. I've been working out for about two, three years. And they say to me, are you going to compete or whatever? Are you competing or whatever? And I'm like competing. I don't even know what that means. So I've come to find out it means in bodybuilding and I kind of was taken back and was like bodybuilding. I just wanted to lift weights and I want to look good for girls and Mm -hmm. to not get bullied and be stronger. And so I really considered it and I was like, that'd be something really cool to do. So this guy I knew 
knew this girl who was a figure competitor and he, we, he linked me up with her. So she helped start my first contest prep, which lasted a month, which in hindsight was complete, a complete utter failure. Comple- everything was wrong. She had no idea what she was doing. She did her best. I'll give her that. And I appreciate that she put time and effort into me because that's very meaningful as somebody just getting started that somebody actually put cares about, you know, progress or watching you succeed or they take an interest in your success. So that, that was that. Um, I got dead last in my first competition. I looked terrible. I didn't look like I belonged up there. And the other, there's three kids in my class. There's a natural, small, natural local show. And the other two kids, they're pretty well conditioned. And I just did not look good. It was a hard pill for me to swallow. Like, I was like, wow, I really got last. And as your first time competing in a bodybuilding show, bodybuilding is, if you're new to it, bodybuilding can be very, the results of a bodybuilding show can be taken very personally because people are literally looking at your body and judging you. And that's how I took it. And they looked at my body and said, my body sucked. And that sucks. And now I have a different perspective on it. And it's not you, your body is just a product of your sport. It's a product of resistance training or a product of dieting and genetics and all of that. So it should not be something taken personally, but this is something that I struggled with as a first time competitor. And a lot of people do because they take their results personally. So, um, next year I come back and do more research. I figure out how to track macros, what that's all about. I stumble across other natural bodybuilders like Doug Miller, Lane Norton, and I follow their protocol and I do my own prep and I look a lot better. I take the adequate time, which was still not nowhere near long enough, but, and I got really low on my carbs because I thought you had to absolutely diminish all carbs or any kind of fat loss. And I didn't look, I looked a lot better than I did the first time. And I won my teenage class at 19. So that was cool. And then at that show, I met my coach, my first ever serious coach, who's I just, uh, we're working again together because I plan on competing in six weeks here again. And he won that entire show. And this dude, I looked at him and I was like, wow, I can't believe people can naturally look like this. This is unreal. He just had striations everywhere. He looked like a bronze statue. It was, it was pretty awesome. And the fact that I thought I could look like that someday because he was significantly older than me. I think about 10 years older than me or so. So that really motivated me and he helped me really get on the right track. So um, I worked with him for several years, uh, learned a lot from him just in training principles, uh, dieting, what works, what doesn't work, food options. And then um, I learned a lot and picked up a lot. Now I uh, did my own, I've done my own research for years, trial and error. I've coached my own people. Now I have my own training business. I have several clients and I like to think I know what I'm doing now. Wow. That is a mouthful to swallow. But uh, <clears throat> so interesting how you, how you said um, when you said you took the results personally at your first show. So like, obviously you said you were, you were bullied as a child uh, because you were, you were overweight, but did you see those judges as like those bullies? Like did, did it affect you that, that badly? Not as badly, but it did strike a similar nerve because I am a, I would say I'm, when it comes to that, I've 
probably, I think I've changed my perception, but I was very sensitive. You know, I took a lot of stuff to heart, especially about my body. Okay. All right. Well, now that we talk about bodybuilding, um, obviously, you know, food comes into play, how you're going to look, um, depends largely on what you eat. So, uh, how would you say bodybuilding diet is, is structured in your experience? <clears throat> well, well, traditionally it's always been about, uh, brown rice, broccoli, and chicken. And is this inherently wrong? No, but the, as more research comes out and we become, we have a better understanding of body composition, food effects, more access to calorie tracking on our phones too, which I really think is a huge impact of the recent phenomenon of taking natural bodybuilding to extreme levels that it's been there before, but not as commonly. Um, so, um, you know, it was always just eat clean, eat good. So you have your macronutrients, which they always focus. Protein was always emphasized for skeletal repair and uh, skeletal or skeletal muscle repair and function, um, and carbohydrates for performance, and then fat for hormone profile and all that stuff. So and testosterone production, you know. But so that was always a thing. But now more so now than ever, it's especially natural body, which requires a lot more adherence and stricter diet because your diet can impact you because you don't have special substances that can help facilitate fat loss. So your diet is a lot more, I would say intense and it has to be a lot more on point. So a lot of it is just based around macronutrients with protein is obviously higher. And then depending on the phase of dieting, whether you're massing, bulking or uh, cutting contest prepping, there's mini cutting that you can do a body recomp. You know, it just depends on how much of a certain macronutrient to eat. And, you know, you can, it just it depends on what your goals are, what you're doing at the time. So out of all the, the, the nutrients like protein, fats, carbs, and all those, all those, <clears throat> all those things, what would you say is the most important out of all of them? Out of protein, carbs, and fats. Um, alcohol is also the fork fourth macronutrient, but we never consider it just because it's not very commonly consumed in the world of fitness. But um, the three out of the three main macronutrients, I would definitely say protein, because I think of protein as bricks to a house. If you'd okay. like to build a bigger house, you cannot build the addition to the house without bricks. You're not going to get the materials to build a bigger house out of thin air. I think the same way is true for bodybuilding and protein. So protein are the bricks and the house is your body. You're not going to build bigger, stronger muscles without proper structure, without that proper material in order to do so. So protein is number one. When you talk about those bricks as protein, what if, you, what if those bricks are like McDonald's hamburgers and like Taco Bell? <laughs> well, um, a lot of, you have to look, I mean, a lot of it, if, if, because bodybuilding it's not really our concern is more about building muscle and quote unquote looking good, but it's not so much about health, although it can be. And like, is a very healthy thing to do, but like a lot of times bodybuilding is not about health. And I would say like when you're competing and getting serious and getting seriously lean, that's not healthy, but the general principle of bodybuilding, high protein diet, um, resistance training and some cardiovascular training down there is healthy. But if those protein is coming from McDonald's, Taco Bell, whatever, you know, that's fine. But the chances are those 
typical meals at your local fast food restaurant or typical, I would say American meal is higher in carbs and fats than it is protein. And the FDA actually recommends only 50, 50 grams of protein a day per American. And if you're a competitive bodybuilder or athlete at all, yeah, any kind of, more. yeah. And that is something that is vastly, vastly under consumed and under considered by athletes on every spectrum. And I think that when people actually start consuming the appropriate amount of protein, which a general rule of thumb is one gram per body weight. So if I weighed 130 pounds, I should at least eat 130 grams of protein. There's recent studies showing that it might be up to 1.5 grams, but um, this, like you can fit those meals in there for sure, but they genuinely do not have the protein content that you need and they have too many carbs and fats in them and not enough protein. So that's why you can eat them, but typically your diet cannot be foundational on those meals because they don't contain the proper macronutrient ratio. I thought that a, a typical, a typical American like overconsume protein. So like, I, like obviously when they, when obviously a lot of Americans, they, they love fast food and they eat a lot of these, this junk and obviously there's protein in it, but like they, they tend to like overeat and there's obviously they're getting a lot more protein than they need. But now, um, but now you're saying that, um, who, who recommend, which uh, organization recommended 50 a day? The FDA. Oh, the FDA. Wow. If you look on your food labels, they will, you know, they'll give you your bait, your ca- 2000 calorie standard. And it's, I don't remember the exact fat number, but it's 300 carbohydrates per day, which still, I mean, it's, that's moderate and protein is 50. And I think the reason they say our diet is so high in pro too high in protein, but they don't look at the fact that, yeah, it's high in protein, but it's high in everything else because we're overweight. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So like, um, so bodybuilding for, for diet, like when does it get serious? You know, when you, like, obviously when you, when you hear about a bodybuilding diet, you think of the Tupperware, Tupperware eating every three hours, you know, just get, getting the meals in, you know, the, the, what is it called? The maintenance calories, the bulking, the cutting. Yeah. So like, um, how, how does that phase out in, in a prep? Well, uh, I've tracked my food consistently. I did take a little break during or a little hiatus during a quarantine, just because, um, I had some personal mental health issues going on. And so I took a break from that and I've re- I, mean, I got back into it when the gyms open everything, but, um, how does bulking cut? It really depends on your goals. Like, um, so bulking typically occurs in a caloric surplus. So what the hell does a caloric surplus mean? So you have a number of calories. It's called your basal metabolic rate, typically referred to as your BMR. This is the amount of calories that your body uses daily just to stay alive. Um, If you eat a larger number of calories than this BMR number, then you will gain weight. If you eat less number of calories, then you will lose weight. But if you eat the same number of calories as your BMR, you won't gain weight. You'll have a maintenance phase. So if you want to build larger muscles, typically this is done in a caloric surplus. So you're going to have to eat more. And then if you want to lose fat, and notice I didn't say lose weight. I'm talking about losing fat because nobody cares about losing weight. They want to get ripped. They want to lose fat because they don't give a shit if that scale says 400 pounds, but you're 8% body fat, you know, 
or your six percent you're ripped you know it's just but typically those fat loss and weight loss are used inter interchangeably incorrectly so that's something important too that's just should be said but um but yeah it really depends on your goals so i will start with like what should a beginner do so you're just starting out um i like to think of bodybuilding as all, similar to the house analogy like a marble so you want to build a beautiful statue if you do not have a large slab of marble to carve the statue from, then you cannot build this statue. If you can't build it from a small little piddly or non-existent marble, where are you gonna get it from? So every beginner should, I would recommend at least spend one year in a caloric surplus or, um, at, le or at least consuming high protein. Because muscle building, there's recent uh, studies I can't remember the name of them off the top of my head, but there's recent uh, studies showing that muscle building can also occur at maintenance or caloric deficit, but optimally and traditionally has been said to occur in a caloric surplus. So I would spend, I would uh, recommend that every beginner starts in a caloric surplus, builds that foundation, gets their strength, figures out what the hell they're doing in the gym, establishing the, those roles, routines, and habits that you need to adapt for a consistent lifestyle that supports your goals of building muscle. Because this is a lifelong thing. This isn't gonna happen in six months. This isn't a bullshit boot camp. This is a thing that's gonna take a lot of years and you have to have a lot of patience with it. So I think that it is so important to get in the gym, get comfortable, get your foundational lifts, get the big three down. You don't have to do them, but I would recommend that every beginner start to them just to build a foundation get those stabilizers, get comfortable with free weights and just build a good solid foundation of muscle. And once you have done that, I would say this takes at least a year. Then you are free to cut or do whatever you want. You know, it's your body, your choice, you know, like it's, I think of our bodies are, as it are their own personal science experiment. Have fun with it. See what you can do with it. You know? Well, you said a year, I think the typical response would be like, what? That long? Come on. Why not a little bit shorter? Why not like, like one month, like two months? Like they, they, they think about like one year and they think about like, damn, that's 365 days. I don't want to, you know, I want it now. You know, this freaking social media, instant gratification is like killing a lot of fitness goals. Like you look at the gyms in January, it's filled all these new year's resolutions. And in February, you're like, where the hell did everyone go? The, they set the goal, but then they don't want to work towards it. And I, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably, I mean, it's probably social media. I don't know what it is. What do you think? Absolutely. I think social media has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, other people at the gym perhaps or whatever, and you know, they want it now and they want it to, you know, happen overnight. And the reality is you and I both know, and anyone that's ever picked up a weight is you're not going to get jacked one day, one yeah, day of lifting weights. And I always tell people that are just beginning their bodybuilding journey, think about your progress in terms of months to start with, then in years. You can do weeks, that's fine, but you can only do weeks for a little bit. But I typically just monitor your progress in months and then years because this is going to be a long, lifelong thing. And that's why I talked about establishing those habits and routines because I think people continually think about it too much and it just you need to develop it so it becomes an automatic response and it's just part of your day just something you do and then the results will come years later you know and 
you know, you, you're going to experience gains in the first month and you might even experience gains in the first two weeks, but are they going to be anything impressive? Are you going to, you know, maybe, maybe if you're a genetic anomaly, but for the average person for myself, no. Mm -mm. Yeah. I mean, it, crap, what was I going to say? Um, the, yeah, the, then we talk about like exercise selection. I know people when they, they don't want to learn the big three, they, they have all these, you know, I mean, people get caught up in the programs, right? They'll, they'll, they have all their fitness Instagram models. Um, they, you know, their six week abs, their four week, you know, 20 inch arms or whatever the hell they're, they're selling to these gullible fitness enthusiasts. And then they, you know, they keep, one thing I noticed is that people, they'll, they'll do a pro program and it might be a short period of time. Six weeks is a very short period amount of time. They'll be, they'll do it for one week and then be like, Oh, I'm not making any results. I'll hop on this guy's program. He looks a lot more jacked. You know, I'll, Absolutely. I'll do this 100% one. Agree. Absolutely. Um, and that's a problem too, is like people, they, they get bored or they get impatient or whatever. Like I've done the same exercises for, you know, I switch it up. I do switch it up from time to time. But for example, this program I'm running now, I've been running it for, what is it, October? I've been running it for five months straight. And I'm probably going to run it for more because I am continually progressing on this program. And it's the same exercises. And natural bodybuilding is, and powerlifting or any kind of weightlifting in general is built on the foundational principle of progressive overload. Mm -hmm. progressive overload is probably the single most important factor when considering progress and weightlifting um what progressive overload can be it can be more weight for the same amount of sets and reps it can be using the same weight for more uh reps during a set it can be performing exercise with better form with more emphasis on the target muscle it can take a lot of different um forms and it's a boring process because people want to switch it up all the time. For the first couple of years of my training, I just trained to get a pump. I trained what I felt like was fun. And was that going to get your results? Sure. But is that going to work the best and be optimal? No. You have to do the same exercises week in and week out because if you're not, you can truly, you cannot truly gauge progress because you have nothing to measure it against. If you're doing constantly different exercises, how are you going to say, I'm going to beat this, what I did last time? The whole P90X concept that was developed <laughs> of muscle confusion, it doesn't exist. Our muscles do not have neurological properties. Luckily, we do, but our muscles are just water, tissue, and glycogen, you know, and they, they don't think. They just respond to mechanical, physical stimuli that we have to, we have to provide. Our bodies, living, orga or living organisms in our bodies are creatures of evolution. We're constantly trying to survive. We're trying to overdap or trying to overcome. Weightlifting is based upon this process. What occurs during weightlifting in any, in any spectrum, whether it's powerlifting, bodybuilding, especially is when we lift weights, we provide a physical stimulus to our muscle, which creates micro trauma. Um, our body doesn't necessarily, well, our body does like, and it's very good. Everyone should do it. But like from a evolutionary standpoint our body wants to grow bigger and stronger to beat that so it doesn't cause that same trauma that it did previously so we have to constantly keep increasing the weight creeping keep increasing the intensity or form to keep challenging the muscles to keep challenging to evolve to keep challenging to grow stronger and bigger and that's how bodybuilding happens 
And all these fitness enthusiasts coming up with these weird, you know, different angle, uh, you know, maybe you got to do this a uh, few more degrees up on the shoulder lateral, like just pick the most basic compound exercises. Even, even when I, like when I first started, I wanted to do bodybuilding as well, but obviously, you know, I'm a powerlifter now. I used to get, I sucked into that. I was like, wow, maybe, maybe this angle could really, you know, target, you know, the rear delt more. But then once I just started, I'm like, F it. I'm just going to do squat bench deadlift, you know, and then I made more, I, I gained more muscle just doing that for a whole year. And I was like, yep. wow, what the heck was that all like bullshit for those, for those other Instagram models. It's just, yep. I felt trapped to the same thing. It was just like, you know, everyone wants to like, Oh, try this sweet new exercise because people get bored and they think that exercise selection is going to produce these magical results because you weren't angling your scapula at a 30 degree anterior tilt. No, it's not going to happen. It really doesn't work. Our bodies are complex, but they're not that complex. You know, if you just got to get, I would say form obviously is important. Full range of motion is important, but as for all these variations and hitting it from all these different angles, it's not necessary. Just got to progressively overload, get stronger, eat enough protein. You're going to grow. Yeah. Even the, the legendary Arnold Schwarzenegger, he talked about it. He's like, like, I, I see these young guys, you know, all they're doing is isolation exercises. Like where are the people doing their squats? Their, their barbell lunges. I mean, uh, bar, barbell rows, deadlifts, you know, clean and press all the, all that good stuff, you know, literally yeah. we're like, that's like where you lay that base, you know, you can't just build the roof. Right. It's going to exactly. collapse. You have to build those, that found that foundational muscle and the whole stabilizer muscle thing. And like, that's, you know, that's hotly debated, but I think it's more of like a proprioception and kinesthetic and physical adaption of training to stabilize, you know, to stabilize free weights or whatever. It's just like, you know, but that's, that's foundation. That's where you should start. You see all these kids in these gym shark, gym shark stringers and, you know, they see Lex Little or whatever the hell his name is or whoever. And, you know, they may be enhanced. I don't know. Don't care. You know, they might just be have good genetics, might be doing it for years, you know, who knows. But they look at them and they think that they're going to do the same thing by doing these stupid ass exercises that they see on the Gymshark website with no weight. And you can't, you can't, those aren't going to do anything. You have to do stick to the basics, master the basics and get stronger and do it for a few years. And then you'll see. Yeah, it's, it's for sure. I mean, I think Lex Little, I'm pretty sure he's really strong too. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he markets his stuff. Like I, I know I've, I, I've seen his, you know, results. He's, you know, he looks amazing. You know, he's really jacked. Right. But uh, you know, again, you know, Gymshark does promote a lot of weird stuff. <laughs> yep. With their, with their, with their team, you know, their exercises sometimes are, you know, not not the best for for building muscle. But you know, they're a business. You know. They make they try to make it look fun and inclusive and a social activity, and you know. I can't say negative things about that because with our uh, our epidemic of obesity, I'm never going to encourage somebody to not go to the gym, to not move, to not exercise, to not enjoy movement, because that is the best thing that I think everybody needs to do is just move and exercise more. But we're talking, we're not talking about lifestyle changes. We're talking about bodybuilding. We're talking about getting ripped. And that's not going to do it. And like the thing with social media, like we were talking about too, is like, it sucks, but bodybuilding and powerlifting, even they're so plagued with just smoke and mirrors and especially bodybuilding, I'd say, because it's all 
editing, angles, Photoshop, hiding in shadows, not to mention drugs. Uh, there's different genetic predispositions. You know, there's so many different factors. And Instagram is for somebody just starting off. Instagram is probably the worst place you can go to look out, look for inspiration. Or I would, I mean, some people might be motivated by it. it's a highly individual psychological aspect component. But for, as for me, and what I would recommend, I'd say stay the hell off Instagram. Just focus on your own personal progress. Take pictures of yourself. Don't expect much to change happen overnight. But be patient with yourself and just focus on getting stronger. Yeah, the funny thing with Instagram is, is it kind of like, I know the top power lifters, they, they like to, they, they're pretty honest about their bad days and bad days of training. Um, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of fitness influencers, they make it look like it's all sunshine and rainbows, you know, it's right. all good. It's all fun. No injuries, no bad days. But, you know, if you guys, like, if, if they, if you really want to get serious in powerlifting and bodybuilding, it gets brutal. It, yep. it, it's, it's like, yeah, you, you might have like a stretch, maybe a week or two or a whole month of, you know, you know, it's like breezy, no, no problems. Then, then some, sometimes, you know, maybe, oh, damn, I, I quick tweaked my quad today. You know, I got to take it a little bit easy. You know, like I'll use myself as an example. I, I had to do surgery for my labrum, uh, which was torn for about two years. And, you know, it's a setback, mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah. It's never going to be like a straight path to success. It's just, no, nope, it's never it just, linear. Yeah. You got to like, maybe there's like a big rock in front of you. You got, you got to find your way around it. You know, it's, you have to overcome and adapt and expect for life variables. That's why I always suggest to people don't make your entire life about it because yeah, yeah, if yeah. that's all you have, it's not going to be kind to you. You know, you need something else. Um, just like, you know, we all experience setbacks and sometimes you, you know, everything's going well, but then life happens. And as much as we like to think about it, the, our existence is not based on building muscles or getting stronger. It could be a big part of it, but we have other things and there's other commitments and, you know, you can't go to the gym if you don't have a job, if you don't have money, if you don't have a house and, you know, it just, I would say, you know, obviously there's some people that live and breathe it, but for 95% of people, that's not us, you know, that's not me. Yeah, I mean, in powerlifting, I mean, bodybuilding is a different story. I mean, if you're a legit top bodybuilder, you're making a good amount of money, you know, if you have sponsorships, you know, prize right. money. Sure. But in, in terms of powerlifting, even if you are the best one in the world, if you have no sponsorships or anything, you're you're barely making anything. You need a day job, you know, keep yourself, yeah. you know, money and stuff. But I did a podcast with a guy named Joe Corsi. Um, I think he can squat like 900. And he was literally like, I don't take it, you know, extremely seriously. You know, I enjoy it. You know, I have fun with it. You know, like I, I'm not making big bucks off of it. You know, I have a day job, you know, I'm, you know, doing other things, you know, I don't want to, you know, if I have a bad training day, I don't want to take it out on my, my family. You know, it doesn't make right. sense. Right. Um, that's like, I, one of my biggest principles too, is when I'm talking to clients about mental approaches or even any, anybody, I always try to emphasize enjoyment because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, this is meant to be fun. This is supposed to be fun. It can be fun. It should not be torturous. It should not be something that is life or death. It should be for enjoyment. And that's important because are you going to adhere to something that you hate and that sucks? No, you're going to adhere to something that you find pleasure in and that you really enjoy and that you find meaningful. Yeah. I mean, you, you got, you got to enjoy the process. Once it becomes a chore, you, you kind of start to drift away, you know, just, you know, I'm going through the motions, you know, 
you know, I'm, you know, in conversations that, you know, get brought up, you know, hey, I'm a bodybuilder, you know, mm-hmm. but like, are you really like a part of it? You know, you're not, you're not part of the community anymore. You're like, right. Yeah. It, it starts to consume you. I used to be like that with, uh, with powerlifting. And the good thing about this podcast is after listening to numerous world record powerlifters talk about how they don't really, you know, you know, it, it's a big part of their life, but it doesn't, it's not, you know, it's not their like end all be all, you know? Right. Then I start, I was like, then I started to change my, my perspective. I'm like, damn, I, I really can't, you know, Yep. you know, I can, I'll, I'll strive towards that goal, but it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not my job. You know, I, I got other things, you know, I got school, you know, I've, I've still have a few more years to graduate and it's, it's not, it's not healthy either, you know? Right. It's a you hobby know? Yeah. for most of us. Like if you, if you, like, let's say I squatted 600 today and, you know, and I missed it, you know, I can't spend the whole day being depressed about it. You know, I was like, ah, oh, damn, I can't squat 600. Ah, fuck, you know, my, the rest of my training cycles, you know, messed up, you know, just, you know, give yourself five minutes to be upset about it, you know, get over it. You know? That's why I give power lifters a lot of credit because um, earlier this month I had made a specific goal for whatever reason, just, I don't know. I wanted to deadlift 605 pounds. I deadlifted 600 before, but I wanted to get 605. And I spent my entire day thinking about this. And, you know, all my friends from the gym were there hyping me up. And, like, it was going to be a big deal. My day was centered around it. I failed. I didn't get it. And I felt defeated. I felt like shit. I'm like, wow. I can't imagine, you know, powerlifters experience that all the time. We constantly experience failure. And, you know, if you're getting so hyped about it, hyped up about something and it just doesn't pan out and that happens quite frequently that sucks you know yeah the thing is if, if you're a power lifter and let's say like your squat is your your best lift out of the three and in a meet usually the squat um it's always the squats the first if you like let's say you mess up like you can't let that bother you for a long time because you still have bench press and deadlift you know mm-hmm. for, for the rest of the, the the day and if you if it's still like spiraling inside your head you know when you're warming up for bench press, you know, you're not focused, you know, what happens if you, if you bomb out on bench press and then bomb out on deadlifts, you know, you like the great coach Gaglione says, you know, short-term memory, you know, yep. let yourself be upset about it for like, you know, two or three minutes and then just, just move on, you know, right. It's not, it's not like you, you know, you tore anything, you know, right. Injured anything. You like, you're still here. You're still breathing, you know, just yep. be grateful that you're here for it, you know? Yep. And, you know, at the end of the day too, same thing with bodybuilding, powerlifting, you know, at the end of the day, does anyone really give a shit if you hit that or if you hit that PR or not? No. Anybody cares about what you place in the show? No. You know, so I think that's important to remember too. I mean, yeah, I mean, we take it personally. We put a lot of time and effort into it. I know like a bodybuilding show, it takes considerable time, suffering and work to diet down for a show. And if you place like crap and, but you did your best, it's, it hurts. And it sucks, but you know, just put this, no one gives a shit other than you though, really. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, bodybuilding is a pretty, is it a big, it's a pretty big community, I would think, but like still relatively like shut off from a good amount of the world. Oh, yeah. oh, if yeah. you, if like, if I didn't know anything about bodybuilding and I looked at Ronnie Coleman, the, the, the most common reaction is what the hell? I don't, I never want to look like that. That's disgusting. You know, I felt like that, you know, I always growing up, I would always see body. I always thought that was the dumbest. I thought that was the dumbest shit ever. I'm like, why would anyone want to do that? Look, they don't look good or whatever. I wanted to look like the Hollister model. 
now <laughs> I'm submerged in the bodybuilding culture and I've been training and I look at the, look at Ronnie and I look at the Hollister, Hollister model and I'm like, wow, that the Hollister model looks like shit. And I want to look like Ronnie, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it, cause you know, it's, people think it's weird. You know, they're like, you're wearing posing trunks that are like, you're basically almost naked. You're on the yeah, stage. Yeah. You're, you're flexing in front of people that are like, oh, they're checking off boxes. You know, oh, yeah. is this, you know, in like in symmetry, you know, yeah. all that stuff. And, you know, that's, that's why, you know, bodybuilding, the community inside is, I would imagine it's pretty good, but then, you know, then we have all the, the stupid haters, the internet trolls. Oh yeah. And even oh, people I know, people I know say that it's stupid or weird or, you know, Oh damn. They call it, they, they call it stupid. That's mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. They just think it's like, you know, they just think like, why do you diet down? Why do you do that to yourself? You know, even friends and family, they're like, why do you diet down to yourself? And, you know, after a while, as you get, you know, at first it kind of hurts, you know, you're not used to all this criticism and you think what you're doing is important and it's very meaningful to you. But then as you get older and you get more experienced in bodybuilding, you realize that it's weird. Well, it's not weird, but other pe majority of people think it's weird. And they will never understand because they'll never do it because it's hard and it yeah. sucks. It's hard work. Yeah. You have to be a part of it to really understand. Like they don't know what it's like to, to cut calories so much after, you know, cutting it already you know you you're like right. shredded you know people think when when you're shredded they think you look like that every day of the year no you can't like it's like no. we talked about before the podcast that's not what you want i mean especially it, unless you're on something that's a that's a completely different story yeah. but if you're a natural bodybuilder being at six percent five percent body fat i would imagine it's not fun <laughs> it is one of it is uh from for being shredded it is probably one of the worst feelings ever. There's several symptoms. You have no body temperature regulation. I remember it was July in Michigan here. It was about 99 degrees and I'm deep into prep. I'm wearing a hoodie, I'm shivering and I'm in the sun just shivering and it's just weird. You get really, you're crabby all the time. You're depressed. I would say I was very, you get, you just get depressed. It's just your mood. You have no energy. Anytime you walk, it feels like you're walking through snow. You have oh, no, wow. yeah. Walking is probably, I was, I was talking to my dad earlier about this too. He kind of laughed at me because he laughed because I was talking about setting up different variables to walk less during uh, my sure. prep. Okay. And he's like, what, why? I'm like, well, when you get really shredded, walking is probably one of the most daunting, awful tasks. Just, it feels like you're walking through snow and your legs feel like a thousand pounds and, um, I used to be a waiter. I waited tables for seven years. And I would say that waiting tables when you're very shredded and in prep, carrying heavy trays over your head with delicious food and having to be happy, <laughs> put on a happy face to customers is probably one of the worst things ever, let alone all the walking. And, you know, you get impatient customers like, where's my ranch? I'm like, well, I wish I could have a little, I wish I could have one taste of that ranch, you know? but that's just some of my experiences. And yeah, you have no libido. I've had personal relationships and fallouts with friends, girlfriends, whatever, because of it. Um, because of being well, a bodybuilder? Well, the, pre the, uh, the, the negative symptoms of cutting. Oh, just okay. like, because you don't, some people are better at than others. Like I've, as I get, as I do it more, I get better at handling my negative emotions. And they always say to embrace the suck, which means that just having the self-acceptance of just knowing that this is going to hurt, this is going to suck, but you got to love it. 
you almost have to be a little off your uh, rocker to do it because it's pain and it's your pain. You do, you don't sleep and you're always hungry and it doesn't matter if you're just eat, if you've eaten 5,000 calories, if you're truly shredded, you will be still hungry. This is because there's a hormone stored in body fat called leptin. Uh, leptin provides satiety, the feeling of fullness. So if you have more body fat on your body, you have more of this hormone store leptin. So you won't feel as hungry, but when you get really lean, you have less body fat, obviously. So you have less of this hormone leptin. So it doesn't matter how much you eat, but your hormone regulation is all messed up, up in this dysfunction. So your appetite levels, your taste, your every, it affects everything, man. It's just like a global process of just bad shit happening and you just have to embrace it. And that's why we do it because you look sick for one day on stage and you get a plastic trophy that no one cares about. It's probably like an evolutionary thing too. You know, your pop, your body is probably thinking like, we need food right now. You know, exactly. we, we yep. send out messages, yo, get some food in your body. We're going to die. Like, exactly. And I think that's a large reason why so many people struggle at even simply losing weight is because hunger is such an urgent feeling and it's, pa- it's painful. I would say hunger is not a good feeling. It's not a traditional pain, but it's a pain in its own way. And it's very urgent. And I always think, of I, I i think about like of our perspective as evolutionary creatures or and i always think about us as hunter gatherers as we have evolved our instincts really have not evolved much because if we don't eat and we don't eat as much as possible we don't know what we're going to eat next we're going to die yeah <laughs> we, have, we have mcdonald's and food on every corner so we need to take this mental approach and accept it and say okay i'm not dying i know i'm hungry and that's okay and, you know, you get, you'll get better at it as time goes on and like, it's just part of life and you ignore it and you live with it. And sometimes you almost enjoy it because you know, you're getting shredded if you're getting hungry. But that's why I think so many people fail with weight loss is because any kind of weight loss, you can make it suck less fat loss, I should say, but a lot of people want weight loss too, just for like, I'm talking like general population obesity patients or whatever, but you know, they want, but it is, you can make it suck less, but it's still going to suck and still going to be uncomfortable no matter what. I don't care when it says it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to suck. Yeah. Don't expect to be shredded year round. That's uh, and don't, don't actually try that. That, yeah. that's, that, that's just, I mean, I wasn't a bodybuilder, but I was a wrestler yep. and I had to cut a lot of weight and I don't, I was never at, you know, five, 6% body fat, but I knew what hunger, hunger was, you know, cutting oh, like yeah. 10 pounds and then sleeping the night and then, waking up and then i'm like i can't eat the whole day i have to wait wait until weigh-ins because i'm like only a pound under if i eat anything i'm just gonna be yeah i'm gonna miss the weight and you know my coach is gonna get really pissed and yeah it's it sucks you know yeah it does and you know it takes a certain like even wrestlers too like you know you kind of got to be off your rocker i think it definitely takes a special (laughs) person you just have to embrace you have to embrace the pain but you know that's what the human experience is about like it sucks but if you want to you know if it's all about pain and ad- adapting and becoming stronger. And I always, t- I always say to my clients or anybody who says anything about counting calories or whatever, because typically even in the DSM, you know, your diagnostic statistic of mental disorders, counting calories is considered a food disorder. That might Wait, be what? true. Really? Yep. Yep. Uh, it's considered an eating disorder. I know it's shocking, isn't it? Because I, I remember looking it up. What specifically, though? Uh, there's uh, there's a the DSM and like mental health. There's so many different diagnoses that 
it's kind of hard to, I don't exactly remember what it was, but I'm pretty sure it's just categorized under the spectrum of eating disorder, okay, but so it is interesting. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, and it, there's whole, there's a chapter dedicated to it. And it is interesting because eating disorders is all psychologically based for the most part, but I'm looking at reading this manual for school. Um, and I'm like, yep, I got that, got that symptom, got that symptom, got that <laughs> symptom as I'm writing a prep and, you know, kind of laugh about it because you know, like I, don't consider it a disorder because I have control about it and it's intentional. I'm doing this on purpose. Whereas a disorder you're not doing on purpose. You can't help it. It's a mental illness. It's not something that you can help contrary to what a lot of people think. You can't just have the willpower to beat it. No, it doesn't work like that. But um, yeah, that's a disorder. But I tell people anyways, I tell my clients and tell myself, if you want to look like a regular person, then you're going to eat like a regular person. If you don't want to look like a regular person, which you don't because you want to have an eight pack. And last time I checked the average American was overweight. You're not going to be able to eat like a regular person. So that's just a perspective to keep in mind. Yeah. It's, I mean, I would have met like, it's, it's probably certain degrees though. It's just saying counting calories is an eating disorder. is like, that's a big, like general thing. Like, Cause like, I, there's like the, the, the extreme side, you know, where it's like a mental thing where you can't control it. And you know, you're like anorexic or like bulimic where like, if you eat something, Oh, I got to throw it up or I'm going to be, you know, like, yep. like the, 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 the I'm going to be like overweight or something. And then, and then there's like, you know, bodybuilders like you, you know, they counted calories, but it's not like they're, they're going to do it, you know, try to look shredded year round. And you know, right. you know, there's a certain phase where you have to stop, you know? Right. And I, I think that everybody, 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 I don't care if you're an old woman, if you're a baby, infant, whatever. Well, obviously, to some extent. <laughs> when you get, when you get old enough, I think every individual should track calories for a certain amount of time and macros because we, in our culture of America, and I would say a lot of world cult- cultures as well, they have no concept of caloric intake. They, you know, it's just a shot in the dark. And, you know, historically that's never been a thing that's been done, but with our rising epidemic of obesity, which has so many comorbidities. And I think that it causes all forms of cancers. And I really do think it's the root of the problem. Um, we need to take initiative to actually be informed about how many calories you're eating. And then once you do this for a certain amount of time, you'll never, you, you'll never be able to eat the same again. Because you know too much, you've been tarnished. Yeah, you're like, wow, one burger was 800. What the hell? You're like, gotta cut that in half. And you, once you, I think like, there's merit to counting calories, but an also component, important component about people. Because a lot of people count calories, sure, but they just count the calories. Like, who cares if you're just counting calories? Like, you you know how many you eat, but you need to have a goal, and people need to have in numbers of how much they should be eating of certain what uh each macronutrient how much they shouldn't be eating etc etc which is obviously largely individual based because we all have different needs different metabolic rates different activities of movement and all that you know you mentioned the um obesity epidemic but uh um what's that thing that the doctor makes you do is that is the bmi or something bmi yeah yeah don't you think a lot of the BMI is like a lot of false positives for obesity. Like I'm considered obese. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm just like, what the hell? I'm obese right now. And I would say I'm single digit body fat right now. And, um, you know, I'm for my height, I'm five, nine and I'm 
165 pounds and that's considered overweight on the verge of obesity and yeah for the for a lot of strength athletes it's obviously you know it's just garbage and it's inaccurate but um i would say that for the general population though because most most people do not lift weights and do not yeah. lift weights in a structured progressive manner and most people do not go to a gym most people are not active i would say for the general population this is probably a good just a guideline just to know where they're at but if you're a resistance trained individual power lifter bodybuilder crossfit athlete whatever it's probably not accurate and you should probably not you, you should probably take it with a grain of salt sure maybe consider it but don't think too much of it yeah because you know like a like there, there's a lot of athletes that are obviously overweight like we're talking about like a super heavyweight power lifter sure yeah obviously they look like you know they're fat but like they're not like sitting on the couch eating Cheetos all day, you know, sure. they're out there or they'll squat and bench and deadlifting, you know, you know, they're active. Active and they have muscular tissue and, you know, there's just, I don't know, like I think body composition is more important too than just BMI because uh, body fat is, has excess body fat, AKA obesity typically, but obesity is typically thought of as, you know, your BMI reading, but obesity and elevated levels of body fat often go hand in hand. But I think having too much body fat is probably one of the worst things that you can possibly have as it leads to so much different things. And I think that it's responsible for a lot of our common diseases because typically people have always thought that too much sugar is attributed to uh, the development of type two diabetes. Too much red meat is, um, a component of developing heart disease. And now there's new studies, especially with heart disease and red meat, that red meat does not inherently cause it. But the reason that these things are attributed, like sugars attributed to development of diabetes and red meat to heart disease is because typically sugar has a low satiety rate, but foods that have a lot of sugar have low satiety rate, but they have a lot of calories. They're very calorically dense. As we know, if you're very, if you're eating a lot of calories, but you're not feeling full, what's going to happen? You're going to get fat. And the same with red meat, because I would say the majority of red meat that individuals consume, they're not eating your flank steak. They're not eating your top round um, shitty lean steak that I personally love. They're eating your ribeyes or eating your fillets that have a very high fat content and fat as being the most calorically dense macronutrient with nine overall kilocalories adds up quickly. And so if you consume a lot of fatty red meat with a lot of fat, that is going to put you in a caloric surplus and which will lead to fat gain and inherently to development of heart disease, cancer, and other um, chronic diseases combined with a sedentary lifestyle. Red meat doesn't have a low satiety though, right? Um, no, red meat and protein typically is highest, but it's easy, but reason red meat gets put in this category is because fat you know just a little bit of fat is so calorically dense and if you eat a ribeye like yeah you're going to feel fuller than if you were to eat like a twinkie or whatever you'll feel full but you're also <laughs> eating a ton of ton of fat like if you ever look at the macronutrients uh yeah. breakdown on a ribeye there's so much fat and like i mean it's not a crazy amount of food and you'll feel full but you'll also eat a lot of fat you get you'll feel that in your stomach too as you become more experience with your body and how it responds. Like you can tell when you've eaten a fatty meal and you can tell when you've eaten a lot of carbs and you can tell when you've eaten a lot of protein. 
yeah, the saturated fats are through the roof. I would imagine on a, on a, like a chef prepared steak when the chef sure. wants to make that steak, you know, taste as good as possible. They're going to right. load it with butter. They're right. Gonna, you know, I don't even know what they do with it, but you know, it's as a server true. as a, yeah, as a waiter, dude, like you kind of <laughs> realize like why does restaurant food taste so good is because they are taught to put as much salt, oil and butter as possible. And you know, none of that's bad. Salt is not bad. It's necessary. It's good it's a necessary mineral. I think it is. And the same thing with, um, butter or whatever, like saturated fat is not bad for you. You should not avoid it at all costs. The reason it's considered pathological is because it is calorically dense and people eat too much of it. All right. Well, we'll end that topic right there, but I really want to get into topic of anabolic steroids. Um, and we talked about it before you, uh, we confirmed that Wojciechowski is a natty bodybuilder. Whether you want yeah. to believe that or not, I don't know, that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm natural. I've, you know, to be a top tier IFBB level bodybuilder, you almost have to make the enhanced route. And I would like to be the first person to say this is that using enhancements, using PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, is in no way a shortcut. Um, there's plenty of your local gym, people are going to take trend they're going to take sus 250 they're going to take your equal eq they're going to take your just regular test they're going to look like shit they're going to get your gynecomastic bitch tips they're going to get that that shitty acne skin that all over that has such a distinct pattern yeah they'll get more muscular but they're not going to look good bodybuilding is not steroids is not going to just make you fill heath overnight you know that's a lot of other variables it's a lot of like insulin manipulation which is a very very dangerous and that's why a lot of bodybuilders die but that's also just years of doing it and use years of developing the proper uh principles of proper diet high protein intake getting stronger progressive overload and most i would like i mentioned most importantly probably is consistency yeah before we dive deep into this uh topic um just want to mention i am not a medical professional uh i'm not either this yeah, this conversation is for uh, entertainment purposes only. You're gonna do that shit. You're gonna do steroids. Seek medical advice. We are not. This is not medical advice. No. All right. Well, um, obviously it's not a shortcut. You still have to work your ass off if you're gonna um, do you know weight training and all that. Uh, especially if you're gonna do bodybuilding. But you notice uh, like a lot of uh, younger younger guys like like me, 20, 19, 18, and you know that haven't lifted for a good you know five, six, seven, eight, you know, 10 years. And they're like, oh, I'm not making any gains. You know what? It's probably because I'm not on steroids. I want to, I want to jump on that stuff. And I'm like, no, you get, no live for like five more years. You're going to be even more jacked than you are not right now. You know, why right. would you do that? You know? Um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I, I've definitely been tempted before. I've definitely, I've talked to coaches that have talked, wanted me to go on stuff and, they all make you the next NPC junior champion. And, you know, when you're 19, you've been doing it for a while and you're kind of hit a plateau, your eyes get wide and you're like, yeah, I want to do it. And you just think about this awesome lifestyle, just being ripped and shredded all the time and just big and getting stronger every day and make it, make it feel so glamorous. And um, is it that way? Really? I don't know. I'm not, but typically from what I've seen and in other individuals, it's not, I always consider the fact that like, because bodybuilding is not going to be my whole life. Am I going to have a wife and kids and I'm going to have this stuff around them? Am I going to be injecting myself with needles 
you know, am I going to have to hide stuff from them? Am I going to have to go obtain illegal substances for years and whatever else I have to do? You know? Yeah. I mean, and if you don't do it right, you know, like they, they talk about, you know, you got to get, you got to do your blood work, you know, you know, negative side effects can come up and you got to know how to deal with them. And if you just hop in all, you know, all free and, you know, just excited to do it. And you just, I know, I know people that I, I think people take like an insane dose. They take like crazy doses, like two, 2000 milligrams or whatever the, the hell they're taking. And they just, they're, there's no results with it. Like I've met people that, that are on steroids and that are in powerlifting and I'm like way stronger than them. I'm just like, what, why? I just haven't put in the time. Right. And a lot of it is just like we mentioned, it's just time-based and just putting the work in and, you know, it's, it's a very enticing route and it's very, seems very promising, but like, no, you have to consider like, do you even know what you're getting? Like, it's not regular. I mean, supplements aren't either. That's a risk that we take every day. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, supplements, but like I would say even more so with steroids because you're for the most part, you do have oral, you do have the oral route or whatever, but for the most part, it's recommended that you inject yourself. Do you want to inject yourself with a needle for a hobby for something you really don't have to do? No, I don't No, And that's just something like, I'm not going to, I don't know. That's just me. And like, there's a lot of side effects and a lot of psychological effects and you know i have my own mental health struggles and i don't think adding anabolic steroids into the mix would be beneficial in the least bit yeah i heard it that it is known that like if you have something like anxiety or like depression if you take steroids you know sometimes it could you know increase those those uh negative you know emotions and oh stuff. yeah 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 makes what i've heard it from other individuals is it makes who you are and just heightens it. So if you're an asshole, it's going to make you a bigger asshole. If you're a lover, it's going to make you even bigger lover and more passionate and everything. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, in in the U S it's what what, is a class three. I don't even know what it is, but it's, it's not like it's, it's not on the level of heroin. It's like a illegal drug, but it's like, it's still illegal. Like I feel like, if you're caught with a certain amount, you still get arrested. I forgot oh, what yeah. the, the crime is, but yeah, it's, you know, you, you're getting it from like underground labs and, you know, I, I heard like this bodybuilder that, that, um, that injected something and then he had like tissue necrosis, like his leg. His oh, I leg, believe it. Yeah. His leg tissue was started to die and he needed like emergency surgery to like, to remove that tissue or his, he was, he was going to need a, like a leg amputation or something. I'm like, damn. And that's just a factor. That's a fact of, you know, a lot of these people, they're not trained in proper sterilization, sanitation of administration of, you know, intravenous fluids and other oils and whatever, you know, it's just like people don't use clean shit and it's hard. It's a hard thing. And you have to be very careful about it. If you want to actually take that route, you know, it's, you need to have, the proper guidance and you need to know what the hell you're doing if you're going to do that although i do think that nobody is safe from side effects of steroids i think even the best bodybuilders that have the access to the most purest the cleanest the safest drugs still have residual side effects such as like look at your internal organ hypertrophy you have those pregnant guts that you see on the ifbb pros and even local competitors you know and that's just from if everything grows then your internal organs are going to grow too you know 
but what do you think about them? Like if you, like in terms of ethics, like if, if you competed in a show and you ended up placing second, the guy that placed first was doing steroids in a natural show, but he got away with it. Like he beat the test. Like, how would you feel about that? Um, that's, yeah, that would be, that would suck. But, you know, I've considered that scenario before and that would suck. But a lot of these times you can't, you can beat the test, but it's pretty hard because you do have polygraph texts. They hook you up to everything and it's polygraph like lie tests. Yep. Yep. And they, they lie to you and they make you anxious. And like somebody with anxiety, I always struggle. I hate taking them. And I really, they're, I think they're more to phase people out of, to scare people out of, um, out of competing in the first place more than anything, because I, they're shown to not really be hundred percent accurate. And I'm very anxious. And like the people that have often administered the test, even for a stupid local amateur bodybuilding show, they get very confrontational and accusatory. And so it makes your anxiety. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. It's just like, I always remember I was, I'm 18 years old and you're going to make, you're going to ask me if I've ever stolen, lied or cheated or stole, lied to my parents or whatever. And they ask you questions like that. I thought it would be like, if you yep. ever taken steroids? Well, they do. They eventually, they, they develop those, like those, uh, life related questions. And then they, then they ask like the warm-ups or something. Steroids. Yeah. Oh. Just to like get your heart rate down and it, it's whatever. I don't think it's, I don't think it's any good, but wait when do they do that like days before like yeah day before the show typically and then then uh sometimes i've also had people watch me take a piss in a cup which i'd rather do that that's easier i don't have to have the anxiety of somebody asking me questions and analyzing my entire life and my entire history of good versus bad decisions and moral conscience i'd rather and watch me urinate into a cup and then determine my urine sample if there's anabolic steroids or not in my urine sample that's so strange it is. It is. It's Natural like bodybuilding is, they take it seriously, which, you know, I commend them for that because, you know, they want to make it as fair as possible, which it's a very hard thing to do. So like, especially if you're not using steroids and to lose to somebody with steroids. So I get it, you know, but. So they like, what, they like turn the lights down, like shine a light lamp in your face. Like, did you ever <laughs> lie? Like not like police interrogation. <laughs> <laughs> not like that, but it kind of feels that way. My experience is it's always been in the, uh, so there's always a host hotel and you're in this room with this person and they're, you know, they're wearing a suit or they're, if it's a girl, they're wearing like a power suit or whatever. What the hell? Yeah. And it feels like they're, they're a lawyer or something. But then I've also had positive experiences where it was like in the back room of a gym where some guys wearing a Yankees hat and we're talking about Aaron judge hitting home runs. You know, it's, it just depends. I've never heard, has this, is this like a, a thing that's been going on for forever like is this recent um, i've never heard it's of not this. it's not just recent it's been going on for a while um i know ever since i've gotten to the sport for about seven years now they've done it ever since and they've done it before that i think you know it's just i was kind of crazy and it's again you have obviously you have to pay for it so it's just more fees but but yeah it's a thing what i can't even imagine if, if they had to do that in powerlifting that's so oh, weird yeah, i know I know. And the thing is too, like you're, you're dieting down and you're stressed out already. And like, you're trying to control all these variables to manipulating your body to make it look as good as possible. And you feel like shit if you properly dieted. And now you got people telling you that you're lying about taking steroids and you're like, 
damn it. Do you understand how much I've dieted and starved for this and not to not use steroids? You're going to tell me that you, that I've used steroids or make me feel that way when you're sitting behind there, you're about to go to McDonald's after this, you know, did they push you to say, yes, I yes. use steroids. Yeah. So that's what the, I think that's a lot. That's like what they're, goal is just to make you feel on edge and uncomfortable and try to elicit a response like that maybe maybe i mean because i know it's like um if we're, if we're like doing a like steroid test kits to test like for steroids and urine i, I heard it's very expensive so i guess that's I their think al- they're over a hundred dollars yeah so I, I guess that's their alternate route how much do you have to pay for polygraph 50 the one i just paid for is 55 and i think a lot of organizations they'll do the polygraph and then if you win then they'll piss test you because they don't care if you lose and take steroids you know they care about if you win and take steroids which and i've also competed in shows where they don't do any testing until the winner you know they only test the winner because they don't care about you know if you got second and take steroids who cares you know it's about if you if there's like a pro card on the line or whatever then oh okay i see yeah yeah but, but majority of uh, shows, they do it before they, and a lot of them do the polygraph. I know the Arnold's, uh, like Arnold Strongman classic for, I think they just don't test at all. And I don't know, for me, I think that's, that's the way to go. Cause everyone's going to try to beat the system. They're going to be using something, you know, why not just level the playing field? If you want to take it, then don't, I mean, if you want to take it then take it, if you don't want to take it then don't. I mean, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get that idea, but then again, I don't because like, yeah, if I'm natural, I want other people to be natural. Like I don't want to take steroids and, you know, and I want to be able to bodybuild still. So I think that's a good thing. And, you know, it is kind of, you're kind of like, whoa, really? But I mean, I'm, I enjoy the seriousness of it, that they take care in making sure that athletes have a level playing field and that, I do commend them for that, but I, you know, it's like, is it the most accurate? Is it the best way? No. And is there a way that someone could beat it? Yes. But they do everything they can to uh, deter that, you know? So, you know, that's all, that's all you can really appreciate. All right. Well, I think we, we, before the podcast, we talked about, you have an ebook um, that you're writing. It's coming out. Um, Is it out? Not yet. I'm currently in the phases of still writing it down, getting all my thoughts together. It is like a, um, it's like, it's not a dictionary of exercise physiology, but more so it is a general guide of how to start bodybuilding. And it's geared towards the average person, men, women, older adults, whoever. And it's not competitive bodybuilding because my definition and typically what the definition of bodybuilding is, is just using resistance exercise to increase the mass of skeletal muscle. And I think everybody should do this. It is, I think weightlifting is one of the most beneficial activities that somebody could possibly engage upon. But the, you stick the term bodybuilding to it and people get freaked out because they're like, I don't want to put oil and go on a thong and flex in front of people. And, you know, and yeah. I make it apparent in my book that um, that's not what it's about. It's about people want to look sexy. People want to get lean. They want to get abs. They want to have muscles. They don't want to get quote unquote too big. So, but that is still bodybuilding on whatever scale. It just, there's competitive bodybuilding. I, I did break it down in the book and then there's lifestyle bodybuilding. My book is primarily dedicated to lifestyle bodybuilding because the principles of competitive bodybuilding minus the 
posing minus the freakishly lean aspects of it is largely the same exact thing as somebody that just wants to have abs or look good on the beach, you know. What inspired you to, to want to write this? Um, well, so <clears throat> I started getting more active on Instagram because I got leaner and people only give a shit what you have to say if you're lean, <laughs> yeah. as we talked about. It kind of sucks, but what I mean, I get it, whatever. But um, So I started getting more active because I always try to be informative because as a person who has experienced a lot of bullshit in the fitness industry and health industry in general too, I wanted to share my personal experiences with people because people started asking me for advice and they started um, considering my opinion. And I, you know, I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then I never wanted to be, I was always afraid of being that annoying person that this is what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm doing at seven fifty eight. This is what I'm doing at seven fifty nine. Like people don't give a shit about that. Like I try not to make it about completely about my life and just erroneous bullshit that nobody cares about. I try to address commonly thought about topics, commonly debated topics and my experience with them because I do a lot of reading too. And I like to try to stay up to date with the scientific literature and, you know, anything, especially for like body composition, nutritional performance analysis. And so I share my personal experiences and the scientific evidence and I morph that together and I try to present it in a way that people can relate to. I try to, um, like through Instagram. And I was just like, I, my sister actually encouraged me to do this. And other friends were like, yeah, man, you really know your stuff. You should talk about it. So I was like, okay. So I, I um, just started, like, I started like actually talking on my stories and such. And I got, I was baffled. I got so much uh, positive feedback and just questions constantly all day. I'm like, damn, people actually care and value what I have to say. It's like, that's pretty cool. So um, I have, so then I started my coaching business i've coached people in the past but like i actually slapped a label on it slapped a name on it and i got a lot of inquiries about it so but then i also have a lot of people that don't want my coaching because they don't want to pay the monthly fee or whatever and you know whatever but um i don't want to keep answering questions all day every day that i've already answered or addressed in the story that people don't watch or that for whatever reason you know i don't take it personally i just figure people are busy like they're not focused on me but if they ask something or whatever so what i wanted to do i wanted to make a book that was affordable with all my thoughts and feelings on very commonly addressed topics everything you need to know to start commonly addressed topics or questions just so people have a reference and a guide so i don't have to keep answering all these dms of random questions because that does get tiring and like if you're not making money off of it it sounds because i am i want to be altruistic i want to help as many people as possible but I'd also need to eat as well. And I am a full-time graduate student too. So, you know, I'm not working full-time or anything. So I've, I'm, and I've learned a lot. I have a, I have a lot of valuable information. I've worked my ass off to learn what I've learned and experience what I've experienced. And um, so I want to create it. I wanted to create a source that has all this information that people can just look at whenever and, you know, am I going to be, be able to answer complex physiological phenomenon? Like what is the maximal neuron output of the fifth spinal dermatome or myotome or whatever the hell, you know, just saying, you know, that's not me. That's not the type. It's very broad. It's like, what's cutting, what is bulking, um, what to expect, psychological changes, sample programs, what happens physiologically on a very simple level, as simple as I can explain. 
And I just want to give people a guide somewhere to start, you know, and then if they want to go from there, then go from there, take off. And then I even have a section dedicated to doing your own research, who to trust, who not to trust, how to trust the study, the hierarchy of research evidence and articles, because you can, the internet is a magical place full of a lot of lies, but also a lot of truth and, um, you know, just stuff like that. And then I want to help people help themselves. So this is geared towards um, more of the beginners of your followers. Yeah. Yeah. Or people that have been lifting, but they've, I've noticed there's been people that lift for years, but they don't do it the right way. They don't, you know, they don't address the, they don't address the a pro progressive overload principles. They don't address the nutrition aspect. I find that 80% of people in the gym that will always look the same day in, year in, year out, they go to the gym because they think they're doing something positive. And we're like, I'm going to the gym. Good. Yeah, that's good. Good for you, man. Like I will never de never, you know, criticize anyone for going to the gym or moving or making an effort. But if they look the same, you can kind of look around and be like, oh yeah, their diet sucks or they're not eating enough protein or whatever. So that is just something too. Like people don't even trained a, a lot of people that are trained quote unquote. Um, they don't eat enough protein. They don't eat right. You know, I've had, I have people on my client list that have been lifting longer than I have, but you know, but a lot of, you know, we just don't get the proper information about diet because there's just so much bullshit out there. And it's not, no, it's no one's fault. It's just the fault of this whole industry. It's just bullshit, smoke and mirrors, implants, synthanol, steroids, mirrors, uh, filters, shadows, and just drugs, you know, just, you don't need, you don't know. It's just so hard to determine. So I really wanted to just say, screw all that. This is what the deal is. Here you go. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, the key to all the to to like not not get any of the bullshit in your system you know you don't want to fall into that that weird trap you know we all do too i did and yeah, you i was sucked into that too. too for maybe like three or four months i was like just hopping from program to program and i'm like what am i doing like this is, this is not working it's a it's hard because you know you're just because there's like no concrete universally accepted there is but like we're not aware of it and i'll tell you right now the things that you can do that pretty much everybody should do that wants to build muscle eat enough protein eat at least your body weight in grams hit each body part equally train it with a frequency of two to three times a week and make sure you get stronger track your weights track your food be happy there it is all right the last topic of the day uh we talk about uh uh, you know, you're big on mental health. Um, we can get into this. Um, I know you talked before we, you talked about, um, you have anxiety. Oh yeah. I have anxiety, depression. Uh, um, and you know, it's not like a, as anybody that has mental health struggles, they, um, it's not a, it's not a constant thing. You know, I have ups and downs and whatever, and I have mood swings, just like whatever. And, you know, it's hard to determine, is this pathologic, pathological or is this normal? Is this normal part of the experience? Because we all experience different emotions as human beings. But um, I had a, um, I'm a graduate student um, studying occupational therapy. I'm under a lot of stress. It's a pretty intensive program. And I was in a relationship, which was um, a relatively unhappy relationship that added more stress. And while trying to go to the gym, trying to complete course assignments and at a job where it was pretty stressful, even though it didn't have to be. So I developed this thing. It's called, uh, it's a chronic immune disorder. It's called chronic idiopathic uticaria. 
So the hell does that mean? So I basically developed hives all over my body. They're very big, red. They look like large mosquito bites. They're very, very painful. They're very itchy. And they were, they didn't go away. I was on Benadryl, because typically they say Benadryl, Zyrtec, any kind of over-the-counter antihistamine, get rid of hives. Didn't work. And I would get them every night and they wouldn't go away. I was in and out of allergists, in and out of doctors, in and out of emergency room on steroids, on Zantac. I'm like, you know, it's an anti-acid medication, but it's antihistamine properties. I was taking four times the recommended dose by the FDA of Zyrtec, the antihistamine for allergies as prescribed by my doctor. I had incredible brain fog. I had a pill case. I felt like a grandpa and none of this worked. These hides were all over. And as a bodybuilder, I like to wear stringers to the gym. I like to show off my physique it's part of my identity it's what i do and i was covering hives all the time i was so deathly embarrassed and they were so painful and i would i remember it came to the point where you know i didn't want to be alive because it was so awful i was like i don't i'm not living like this i was like screw this and i remember i would cry almost every day and i just felt so hopeless and lost because nothing was working and i felt like my doctors were giving up on me so come to find out um after about a year of having this, my primary doctor suggests that it may be psychological in origin. And I was like, what? So he prescribes me an anti-anxiety medication. I'm like, whatever. I don't expect anything to happen. I take it and them go- they're gone. And it was absolutely no, none. Because I would have like residuals or whatever, just small ones, gone. And, you know, they kind of, they would come and go and I would take the medication to go away. Now I haven't had them in six months and I don't even have to take this medication anymore. So the moral of the story is, is that mental health can be so impactful that it can start affecting physical health too. And that we need to address it and we need to consider it. And especially as bodybuilders or powerlifters or whoever, you know, like it is mental health is such a big, important component of the game in any sport, but especially powerlifting and bodybuilding. It's, I would say a lot of it is so much mental, how you approach the day, how you approach the diet, how you approach the bar when you're trying to deadlift at a meet, you know, so much of that is mental. And I think especially I, I'm biased, but I think bodybuilding is very rooted in, you know, your self-perception, mental health, because it's all about how you look and how you look has so much influence on so many other areas of life and your own personal satisfaction for whatever reason. But we know that's to be true, you know. So, you know, in my book, I talk about different mental approaches to take when dieting. So like when you're bulking, you don't want to take off your shirt because you're going to have higher adipose tissue. You're going to be chubby. You're not going to have an eight pack. And, you know, it's kind of hard because you want to be ripped all the time. We all do. But if you want to build muscle, you can't be. So that's like a very hard mental obstacle to overcome. And I'll just, I address in my book and then cutting um, the psychological aspect of dealing with hunger, dealing with uncomfort, dealing with constant pain dealing with body dysmorphia because it seems like the leaner we get, the more dissatisfied we get with our body and like, Oh, I can always be leaner. And you know, it's a rabbit hole. Body dysmorphia is huge in bodybuilding and will never be satisfied. And you know, you can look at yourself and you're like, Oh, I look like shit or whatever. And then everyone else tells you you look good. And then you will never believe them. And it is a very important topic that we need to be mindful of. And as males met, 
especially, but you know, women too, obviously, but I feel like males have been largely underserved in this mental health field, especially in bodybuilding and powerlifting. Um, so I think we need to advocate for positive mental health. We need to be productive. We need to be uplifting to another. We need to be encouraging and positive because it is something that is so rampant and that is really not talked about because bodybuilding is supposed to be the epitome of toughness, the epitome of grinding, the epitome of just, you know, don't be a pussy, that whole attitude. And that's the, that is the worst, least healthy, least productive mentality somebody can possibly have we need to do a better job as a whole men women whoever to build each other up in the gym especially since the gym is such a hostile judgmental place for a lot of people i mean it depends on the gym but a lot of gyms have very hostile judgmental environments so we need to work together to create a inclusive community that anybody any from any demographic any differences feels comfortable i address this in my book too especially for new beginners because i feel like one of the largest obstacles for somebody getting in the gym it's not because they're lazy it's because going to the gym and not having any idea of what you're doing is a very scary thing from a socially social psychosocial perspective will people judge you will people look at you like you're stupid will people try to i don't know especially for women you know I feel very bad for women that have all these guys approach them or try to correct their form or make them feel stupid or hit on them and they can't even enjoy their workout. So I think that is also a psychological component we need to address is how to treat others in the gym, how to create an inclusive environment in the gym and such. Yeah, that's very important. You know, with all the negative stuff happening with COVID-19, you know, I mean, most people on, on the internet, it's like just toxic, you know, it's, it takes no effort to be, to just, you know, be kind to someone, you know, absolutely. If, if, if someone, you know, asks you to spot them, you know, just go spot them, you know, maybe give them a few tips on their, on their bench press form or, you know, no negative energy. It's just, right. it's it, with, with all the negative energy, it's, it's so hard to get caught up in it. You know, there's still positivity around, you know, it's, yep. it's a lot better to say, you know, Hey, you're looking good today. Or like, you look like shit, you know, they just put, yep. put somebody down, you know, just, it just, it just not the way to go, you know? Yep. And I think too, like the gym, it's like a place where, you know, people were in tank tops, people were, people were in tight clothes or whatever. And it's a place um, that, you know, people look at each other's appearance because you're there to look better for the most part. I mean, some people are there for the good reasons of looking healthy or whatever, but I would say a vast majority of the people go to the gym just to look good. So it's a very, um, it's a very superficial place that a lot of people take and base on looks and, you know, it's hard. So like we need to make an inclusive community. We need to make it not about that. And a lot of that because people are insecure with how they look. So they project onto others so they, they feel like that they don't look better than them or whatever. It's a competition. It's an ego thing. Yeah, it's, you know, what it, it sucks. I mean, I mean, when gyms close down, you know, a lot of people use um, gyms as a mental, you know, they use it as a getaway. You know, maybe they, they have um, some problems in their life and, you know, they, they just need that hour to just, just pump the iron, you know, just, just right. get away from it. And um, I know mental health was very important during this pandemic. Um, you know, people thinking they were going to get the virus. They were, you know, socially distanced, you know, quarantine, all that, you know, being locked down. We were locked down for, 
gyms were locked down for how long? Six months, five, About. six months. And yeah, that, that was definitely a mental strain. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you felt about it, but I was, that was definitely a crushing blow for me, <laughs> not being able to lift. It uprooted, it sounds very drastic, but it's true. It's, it uprooted, uprooted my entire life. It was just a part of my daily routine and identity and social engagement area that I just went to for years. And I knew everybody there and it's what I did and it's what I enjoyed. It's my escape and I took it for granted and to have it taken from you I, you know, it's not, no one's trying to be evil about it. Like, oh, you can't have it. You know, it's for safety precautions, obviously. But to have that taken from me, that was huge, man. Like my mental health suffered greatly from that and doing split squats on my couch with my backpack full of weights or using my pull-up bar or ab wheel or curl in the same dumbbell. It's not the same in my one bedroom apartment. It's not, it's not the mental getaway. It's not the change of environment I need. It's my friend, there's no, no friends, there's no music, there's no physical and social stimuli, really. Yeah. So throughout this whole, you said you've been lifting for, for nine years? Mm, yeah, it's going to be nine years. Yep. Coming up on nine so, years. So during this whole nine year journey, what would you say like your biggest supporters? My biggest supporters... My dad, my dad was always, my dad worked out with me. My dad and I got into a fight at a gym before together. Uh, we did. Some guy hit me with a barbell and then we got into a fight and we put him in a headlock and I swung at him. And that was kind of funny. So we always laugh about what? it. Yeah, it was a crazy story. Someone hit you with a barbell? What an asshole. <laughs> I know. I know. I couldn't believe it. And I was 19 and this dude was a grown ass man. I'm like, what? And it was intentional. And that, because I confronted him about it. So I'm like, I just wanted to make sure it was intentional. And then he ended up pushing me and like choking me. And I ran in the, the chalk dispenser. It was a big deal, but um, yeah, but yeah, my dad was always there for me. He always encouraged me to lift weights. He encouraged me and he um, he's always made an effort to come to all my shows. And he's always told me I'm looking bigger ripped or whatever. And he's been a great support. My mom too recently. And she's gotten recently into lifting the weights herself after years of just being doing cardio and, walking everything she finally figured out the magical recipe is lifting weights so she's also been very supportive as well about that and um my friends too i have a friend group that um i met at college and we all try to we send each other gym selfies because no one else wants to see them all the time so we 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 hype each other up and they're they're a good outlet just just friends that are just focused around the gym and i have a really good friend too um he's a very very strong dude uh, and he's always checking in on me and always telling me I look good. And he's always gives me a realistic perspective of just everything. And like, he's someone to bounce ideas off of or tech, talk about mental health struggles with. And he's been a big support to me as well. And I'm very thankful for everyone that has given me their hand and time in contributing to my journey, because I do believe that this is something that you cannot do alone. I think no when first, no. I think starting out in the gym for the first time, you should have a partner because I trained with my dad for four, four, four or five years. And then, you know, just I life happened and, you know, he got married and has different obligations now. And, but like, if he didn't, if I didn't work out with my dad to start off with, I would have not ever gotten into it. So I think that's so crucially important is that you need social supports to on go. 
to go through this with. All right. I think that about covers it. Um, tell everyone where they can find you on your social media. So your coaching and all that. My coaching business is um, Woj Training Systems. It's short for my uh, cluster of a last name. Um, <laughs> yeah. My Instagram is Jake Wojo. That's J-A-K-E. W O J O O two O's at the end. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I most frequently post on there. I try to provide information and just, you know, a little bit of insight of what I'm doing and try to interact with everybody. So thanks for having me, man. I really had a good time and I appreciate the conversation and your insights. And I had a good time tonight with you. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. It was, it was a good time. Yeah. Yep. That was episode 47, everyone. Peace out. Hope you enjoyed it.